Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I'm here with my co-host, Rodney the Pod Zabriskie. And today, Rod, we're going to talk all things note investing. How does that I'm sound? I'm excited. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great so we have, we have our man, Fred Moskowitz. And uh, Fred's an, he's an expert note investor. Uh, he reached out to us a few months ago, and uh, since then, I've done some due diligence and get, kind of gotten a better feel for what he's all about and what he does. I've listened to some podcasts and checked out some of the stuff he's written. So anyway, I thought it would be a good opportunity to have someone with a good reputation in the space be on mm -hmm. the podcast and talk about notes, especially right now where people are just looking for places to invest money, right? There's a lot yeah. of cash and capital sitting on the sideline. So anyway, that said, Rod, um, I really liked the episode because Fred uh, had all sorts of different directions that he could head with it. So absolutely. We talked about we talked about notes and we kind of went into the all the gamut of different kind of focused on what notes are and how they work and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we shifted gears and talked a little bit about another area that he likes to talk about, which is the self-directed IRA market. Mm -hmm. Another uh, conversation we haven't had as much of on the podcast. So anyway, those were just some of the highlights or some of the things I liked about Fred. Uh, what can you tell us about him? Yeah. So Fred, uh, he's an educator and best-selling author. He, he likes to focus initially on alternative investing as a whole, but then like you said, uh, he, he has invested a lot in notes and he actually is a fund manager. We'll, we'll talk about that in our, in the interview as well. Uh, so he has his own mortgage note investment fund and is considered an industry veteran within the note investing arena. Um, he teaches a concept that individual investors are able to step into the shoes of the lender through note investing and effectively, quote unquote, be the bank. So and he takes pride in collaborating with investors to help them grow and profit in the note space as well as being a trusted and valued resource in the arena of alternative investments. And last but not and? least. The big thing we talked about as well, his new book is called The Little Green Book of a Note Investing. Okay. Without further ado, Rod, let's get into our conversation with Fred Moskowitz, author of The Little Green Book of Note Investing. Okay, today we are very excited to have with us Fred Moskowitz, author of The Little Green Book of Note Investing. He's been doing it for a long time, so we're excited to have him. Fred, thank you so much for being with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. Glad to be here. Well, okay. So I've done a little bit of um, research. I've listened to some of your podcasts and I've, and I've read some of your stuff. And so I know that you've got a vast array of different experiences that we could probably talk through. Today, I want to kind of focus in on one of your specialties, which is note investing. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about self-directed IRAs in this conversation as well, but we're going to primarily like dissect and uh, get into all things note investing. Does that Great. sound okay? Oh, fantastic. Okay. Awesome. Before we do that though, Fred, could you give us a little bit of your 
background, your story. I know you were an IT guy that turned yeah. into an alternative investor. So I'd love to hear, our audience would love to hear a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, absolutely. So I started out in life uh, working as a computer engineer. I had a long, successful career in engineering and uh, I loved it. It was, it was uh, something I really enjoyed a lot. I spent a lot of time working at uh, technology startup companies and it was so exciting. I worked through and experienced basically the birth of the internet and right. watching it uh, come on the world, come online. And, um, and it, it, it was, it was fantastic. So I spent uh, most of my time working at different technology startup companies. And what happened over time was uh, I watched my industry just get turned completely upside down uh, because we had, uh, we had the dot-com boom. And then that was followed by the bursting of the dot-com bubble. And then some other things happened too: the September 11th terrorist attacks. And it created a lot of turmoil in the world and in the uh, economy, uh, the global economy. And what happened was it made me realize that I was too dependent on the income from my job. And I was taking on a lot of risk by relying on my paycheck as my only source of income. Because I found out that um, there were so many circumstances outside of my control. And it didn't matter how talented of an engineer I was or how valuable of an employee I was, right? If things are not going well financially at the company where I'm working, or if the industry has a downturn, I could quickly lose my job through no fault of my mm -hmm. own. And so I decided, you know, I want to build alter alternate sources of income to have that have that coming in. And that led me to uh, investing in assets, specifically buying and building assets that generate cash flow and income while I own them. And I started out, started out with rental real estate, uh, really loved that, that business did well with that. And uh, a few years later, I learned about node investing and got involved with that. And I, what I saw was that note through node investing, uh, it was something that I could really leverage and turn into something big. And um, that inspired me to, to keep going. And what happened over time was uh, I, I was doing well with it. I was getting eventually getting invited to speak at industry events and, and uh, conferences. And, um, and people would come up to me saying, Hey, Fred, I love what you're doing with node investing. You seem to have this, uh, you know, really dialed in very well. And, uh, it, it looks like it's a lot of work and there, there's a lot of risks involved, a lot of pitfalls. So, uh, is there any way that maybe I could invest money with you or give you money and you go and buy notes? And for the longest time, I, I was turning that down. I said, no, uh, I can't do that. There's a lot of regulations from the SEC about you can't just go and, in, and accept investor money like that informally. And so I, I turned that down. And after several years of this, of these conversations coming up, I decided to take another look at it and um, decided to go through all the work and all the process to set up a formal uh, offering a formal 
investment fund for notes specifically because there wasn't really a lot of people out there doing that. And, um, and let me tell you, it was a lot of work uh, because all the meetings with the attorneys and CPAs and compliance experts and doing all the filings and all of that. And it took like six months, mm -hmm. but eventually we got it all done. And I finally had my first note fund up and running. And that, that was really exciting. And um, that has gone really well. And since then uh, have opened up another, another fund. And that, that's really the story that brings me here mm. to today. Yeah. Very cool. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I mean, we have a fairly sophisticated audience, but we don't want to take anything for granted. We want to start at the basics. Yeah. So do you mind just kind of breaking down the basics of how notes actually work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so note investing is all about investing in the financing, in buying mm. debt. Right. And so let's yep. talk about that. Let's talk about investing in the paper mm -hmm. because uh, a lot of people know and enjoy investing in real estate, right? It might be commercial property or multifamily or single family houses, lots of different forms of real estate. But um, note investing is investing in the paper, it's the financing portion of those transactions, the notes and mortgages, which are associated with those properties. And what I've found is that it's a really a very interesting part of the real estate business. A lot of real estate investors, for some reason, they just don't pay any attention to it. And when they think of a note and a mortgage, they think of being the borrower and not as the perspective of being the lender. But yeah. with note investing, basically, it allows you to buy the debt, you buy the loan, and then when you do that, you effectively step across the aisle and become the bank. And you transition from being the one making the monthly payments to being the one receiving the monthly payments. And uh, what it does is it, it's just a great way to increase the predictability of your cash flow. So that you have a cash flow and income portion of your overall investment portfolio. And I think that's so important. But that's what note investing is all about in a nutshell. Yeah. So you so in, in a nutshell, it's utilizing the financing of real estate generally, right? I guess it doesn't yeah. have to be real estate, it could be other things, no. but it, it exactly. It could be anything. I focus on on real estate because it's it's a secured um it's a secured yeah. investment. When you buy a, a note that's backed by real estate. You have the security, you're, you're a secured lien holder, and no matter what happens, if there's a problem or an issue, the real estate is always backing that yeah. investment no Solid. matter what happens. Yeah, and that's that's what the, the position banks put themselves in, right? You know, banks never uh -huh. want to be in the business of owning property. As soon as if they end up with a property, they put it out on the market right away mm -hmm. because they want to take the recapitalize and then go back out and originate new loans with that. So they're in the business of being a lien holder uh, and instead of being a landlord. Yeah, I think from my perspective, um, the note industry and note investing is incredibly intriguing, right? You're getting a lot of the passive benefit or some some of the benefits of owning real estate. With, yes. but you're doing it a lot more passively. So, but I want to just talk a little bit about this. 
Fred, what do you see as the primary benefits? So again, think about our audience who are who are largely alternative investors. They invest in primarily in real estate, but business and other things. Mm-hmm. What are the primary benefits of looking at the note industry as a potential place to have um, a- as an additional asset class to add to your overall portfolio? Yeah, a couple, couple benefits. Um, I mean, I really like the narrative behind the asset class of, of debt investing. And there's some, the, the primary uh, benefits are that you're investing, you're investing in an asset that's backed by something with tangible value, right? The real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, second is that you can earn a, a really high rate of return sometimes, especially if you have a long-term perspective. And um, third is that notes are customarily bought and sold at a discount. So they're sold at a discount uh, relative to what's owed on the debt. And through that discount that drives can drive up your rate of return. And so uh, that those are are the main, the main benefits. But uh, in addition, um, note investing is something you can really scale and we can get more into that, mm-hmm. but with there's there's different ways you can invest in a note fund, um, which diversifies your yeah, that down. Yeah, it, gonna... it, it gives you a huge diversity. Uh, but if if someone wanted to be active in note note investing, you could build a large portfolio with hundreds or or more of notes in there and scale it pretty pretty um, easily. There's a lot of great uh, vendors, service providers that help facilitate that. Think about this. If you owned a couple of rental houses, which is is a great thing to do, and a lot of folks do that, right? Maybe you have one or two rental houses, maybe four or six, but as those numbers increase, it's a lot more headaches. It's a lot more mm-hmm. management intensive, and um, and that's not, not for everyone, right? It's yeah. not for everyone. Uh, but what I found is with notes, you can really scale very large. Uh, you're mm. you're kind of limited by by your capital, and um, and that that's something that uh, was very attractive to me when I was first starting out. Well, you're getting you're getting the value again of real estate being backed by real estate, a hard asset, but you're getting the simplicity of having it be like a more passive investment. So again, which is, is certainly going to be attractive to many of the listeners that that listen to our podcast who are oftentimes high income earners. They have the the work that they do at their career and job that brings in significant income. And some of them, many of them do the real estate, but I know many of them are also looking for more passive ways to supplement what they're doing there. So I think that's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, And I, I, I speak with so many investors and absolutely a lot of folks um, let's face it. People, people are busy. They're successful in their career or successful in their business and focused on that. So um, for, for an investor, it it can be really uh, appealing to, um, to add notes into, into your portfolio and whether that's buying ind- individual notes or investing in a note fund, there's so many different ways, but, uh, it, it really is, uh, is wonderful to have stable cash flow coming in because, you know, other investments, they're going to be, um, 
uncorrelated completely to this asset class. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the stock market or you're in cryptocurrency or uh, investing in private equity and businesses, things go up and down and fluctuate. Notes are fairly stable. Uh, the value does not fluctuate at a rapid pace, but the cash flow is steady and consistent. And that helps really to round out a portfolio and provide income. Now, it's one of the benefits you mentioned uh, that when you buy the notes, you're buying them at a discount. So can you talk through what it is that would bring the, the current holder or, or the originator of the of the note to want to sell? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a lot of a lot of it comes down to liquidity. So when a seller of a note um, needs to recapitalize, that's usually their reason for selling a note, not because there's something wrong with it or anything mm -hmm. like that. The bottom line is they need capital. Maybe they're doing a new trade to buy more notes or buy in, in, into another investment. So this is the most common recapitalize. And we see this in the marketplace Whenever there's a liquidity crunch uh, at a higher level, a lot of um, the different larger hedge funds and financial institutions, they'll start to liquidate notes and put them out to the market. And, um, and that's, what, that's what incentivizes that. And for the buyer of the notes, um, you can negotiate a discount and it is all based on how much risk are you willing to take because there's all different... Uh, types of notes, uh, different risk models, and um, how much risk are you willing to take on? Because if you're you're willing to take on more risk or buy notes that have problems that need to be solved, you will negotiate a, a greater discount. And um, the note investing business, a large part of it is solving problems. So if you're good with that, then um, there's a lot of opportunities that, that can open up for you. Um, and, and we see this, we see this all the time. Uh, sometimes notes get originated and um, there may be title issues or issues with the paperwork or something like that. Like a, think of it a, like a technical issue mm -hmm. and all of these things can be fixed with, it, it takes two, two ingredients, just like most problems time and money and if mm -hmm. you invest the time and 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 put in the work and invest money put some resources behind it problems can all be solved and once that's done now you've increased the value of your asset right yeah. uh yeah so so uh that that's a little a little look into to what goes on uh behind the scenes but back to your original question it, it all stems from liquidity Got it. And um, those of us in the note business, we we buy and sell notes to each other all the time. Mm -hmm. And it just ha a lot of it has to do with, oh, someone is uh, there's a fund that's going to be taking down a large trade. Maybe they're they're buying it from a bank or from a larger financial institution and they need to raise all the capital they can. And so they'll go and sell off all these notes that they've been getting paid on for for uh, many months or many years in order to recapitalize. Gotcha. So they, they got the notes for the cash flow, but then sometimes you just are in a position where you want to exchange that. You, you, 
the the liquidity is more important than that consistent cash flow. Right. The liquidity is more important and there's probably some kind of a greater upside potential on the new trade they're getting into. And yeah. so that, that makes sense. I mean, it's like that for any, any investment. Yeah. That's why uh, companies are bought and sold all the time, especially smaller businesses, right? They're sold by the original owner, a private equity firm comes in and buys them. They raise up the value and then over a few years and again. then they resell it again. Yeah. yeah. It's a very yeah. similar idea. Cool. Now you did touch on a little bit, the risks of note investing. Um, maybe talk to us a little bit about what you feel like are the primary risks associated with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, some of the primary risks with, with note investing, um, and all of these can, can be managed, right? There's, there's many ways to manage risk. And I'm going to go through a couple of examples and you're probably going to, uh, they're going to sound familiar to you uh, because you'll see that banks and lenders take steps to, to uh, protect themselves from this. So uh, right. Threats. There could be threats to the lean, lean position on a note. If you have a note, um, a lien that's in higher priority, uh, to your lien position will can po potentially come up and um, extinguish lien, right? And so uh, no lender is going to allow that to happen uh, without taking, taking some action. So here's a perfect example. So even if a note is in first position, right, which is called the senior, senior lien position, mm -hmm. if the taxes on a property are not paid, the property can be told, uh, go to tax sale and be sold. And if that were to happen, uh, in a lot of states, a property gets sold at tax sale, it wipes out all liens and mortgages, mm -hmm. right? And so that's why a lender, a lender who's paying attention is never going to allow the taxes to get delinquent and the property go to tax sale. The lender will step in and um, reinstate delinquent taxes and then add it on to the loan balance. And every single note and mortgage has clauses in there specifying that the lender has the right to protect their lien position and take any steps necessary. And so that's why you see lenders uh, always are often will require escrow for taxes and insurance mm -hmm. to be paid. They're going to make sure that those get paid and are always current. It's the same thing with insurance. Lender requires that there you carry property insurance on the property to protect yeah. the lender's interest in that asset. And the same thing, they're not going to allow uh, insurance to lapse. And if it did, uh, the lender can go in and put their own policy on it and then back charge the borrower by adding it on onto the loan balance. So th these are, are some of the things. And, and there's all sorts of other examples like HOA, liens, homeowners mm -hmm. association, which in some areas are, are pretty popular, um, and and these are these are some of the things. But uh, working with good vendors to help with monitoring and putting these steps in place, um, note servicing companies ha handle a lot of this, and uh, note servicing companies are one of the most important vendors to have if you're a node investor, because 
a note servicing company. They they manage the loan, and um, they're the front facing um, entity for the borrower. So they collect the borrower's payments. They keep track of the accounting on the note. Keep track of the amortization schedule. They take care of the end of year tax returns and and all of these things. Take phone calls, um, and and they do this for a nominal fee. And it's one of the most important services that a lender can can use in their business because there's a lot of compliance, a lot of state specific things and notices have to be sent and all, all of this. The servicers take care of all of that for you. So think about this. It's just like if you own a rental property and you hired a management company to manage mm -hmm. the rental property and manage the tenants, that's what a, a, a note servicing company does. They do exactly that, uh, but managing uh, managing the note for you. Fred, I have a question. So I, I know that the landscape is changing and interest rates are all over the place. What, what kind of returns can investors expect to be, or, or can they be, I realize it depends on risk and there's a lot of quantifiable um, things that go into this, but just give us kind of a, a general idea so that our real estate investors can say like, Hey, there's, there's reason for us to go look at these things closer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it all comes down to how much risk you're, you're willing to take on and how much experience you have, because some types of notes are more complicated or riskier mm -hmm. and they will warrant a higher rate of return. But just to give you some ideas, uh, I would say on the low end, five or 6% on, on a mortgage that's super safe, super clean in first position. Um, and if you get into other types of notes, they can pay uh, into the double digits, 10%, 12%, 14 uh, 14%, if you're looking at second position notes, junior liens, or uh, investing in notes that are hard money loans, which are popular. Those are the fix and flip loans that uh, mm -hmm. real estate investors borrow on. So th there's a lot of different niches and it, there's no right or wrong answer. It all comes down to what you're comfortable with and, um, and what you know and, and your risk tolerance. And as your experience level grows, you'll, usually diversify out into different types of uh, different types of notes and some of the riskier and more profitable strategies. Okay. So th that's a good lead in, but I want to talk about two things here. So one, can you just talk a little bit about the, maybe the difference between investing in a note and investing in a note fund? Um, so just, just for an, in, as an investor, what does that look like? Is there a difference? Um, yeah. And then, Actually, yeah, let's let's start there. What did, What's the primary difference? And then we're going to get into your note fund specifically. Okay, great. Yeah, let's unpack that. So there's two ways to get involved in note investing. The first is to be active as a note investor. You go out, you buy notes on the secondary market, or maybe you own a property, you sell it, and you originate a loan, uh, which is often called seller, seller carryback financing. So those are, those are some of the ways and, and you, you can do is, that. Are you, 
you can buy that new- how you got started doing it like how did you get started because i know now you're in the note fund world but yeah. how did how did you get started on the the individual note side just, I just got interesting st- yeah i got started by buying existing notes okay. and uh, i focused on bank originated mm-hmm. notes um because that's what was available to me uh to buy and i learned i learned with with those but that that's okay, how i got cool. started i got started buying one or two at a time and then that started to grow and i was buying notes in pools of 10 mm-hmm. notes at a time and and, th- and then that grows and what happens is when you buy um buy more notes and larger transactions obviously there's a little more economy of scale and you can negotiate mm-hmm. a better discount yeah so so that's um buying notes as an active investor and then so you buy the notes you place them with a loan servicer and get them all set up and then you monitor and manage the portfolio that's that's how someone can get involved now it sounds like though it sounds like that's more effort right like that's oh yeah that's going to take more time and effort than finding a note fund right okay so that's the advantage the disadvantage is is you've kind of got to learn the ropes of the note investing world you've got to know figure out where to go, um, who to talk to, those types of things, right? Okay. Yeah, it's so a business. Let's talk about the I, note fund. Yeah. So a note fund is gr- the gr- is a great option for someone that likes the asset class of notes, but they don't want to be active in the business because they don't have time or mm-hmm. they're focused on focused on other things. And um, the benefit there is when you invest in a note fund, there's not really a lot of work involved other than the due diligence you do up front mm-hmm. before investing in the fund, just like any other passive investment, right? But once once you do that, there's not really much to do because you, you should be receiving your return payments on a regular basis as promised and receiving a K-1 at the end of the year and coordinating that through your your cpa that but that's that's really it i mean there's not a lot a lot else to do and so the benefit there is for the passive investor it allows allows you to uh, enter into a partnership with the fund managers the operators of the fund and you get to leverage their expertise their experience their uh, relationships, which is super important uh, in the note industry, and uh, work together and earn a um, a rate of return that gets paid out on a regular basis. And uh, with the relationships, that is key because that's what gives you access to buying notes, to find notes, to be able to buy them. Uh, the note investing industry, it's a small world. We all know each other, uh, but it's really about building those individual relationships so that you're able to, uh, to buy and sell notes and, uh, run, run business that way. Mm. Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's a little bit like syndicating on like the multifamily side, except instead of pooling that and the expertise of the, you're, you're taking the fund manager instead of the operator of the the syndication. That that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, it's just like a real estate syndication, uh, but in in the case of a note fund, the fund manager raises capital and then they take that capital and go out to the secondary market 
to buy notes. And what happens is because they're buying at a higher price point, buying in volume, they can negotiate a better discount. They can get better access to buy notes. And um, so those are some of the opportunities that come up in the secondary market. And the fund manager is uniquely positioned to add more value. And ultimately, that's what's going to create more upside for all the investors together. Yeah, that's great. Okay, so just just for reference point, mm-hmm. what kind of things do, maybe not even just your note fund, but what kind of niche or focuses is common in the note fund world, if that makes any sense? Yeah, absolutely. There's There are many. There are many types of note funds out there. And um, I'll give you some ideas <clears throat> about that. Um, there are note funds that focus on, on good performing notes that have a track record, focus on residential properties, Mm. right? All across the U S there could be note funds that focus on a certain geographic region. Maybe they only buy California loans, which is Mm. popular uh, or loans in, in the Southeast of of the U S which is experiencing a lot of population growth. Uh, There could be note funds that focus on commercial property, right? And that's what they buy. Uh, there also can be note funds that focus on um, on hard money loans, the mm-hmm. loans that are made to investors that are doing fix and flip projects. Uh, there's note funds that that's what that's their mm-hmm. niche. They specialize in that. Uh, that's an area little more risk. Certainly pays a higher rate of return as expected. So th- there's okay. no end to the. The difference is, and there's no right or wrong answer here. It comes down to what you're comfortable with and what's your risk tolerance as an investor. So it sounds like you can really go with many different strategies and or asset classes. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah absolutely. You can. And like any other type of investing, the more risk you're willing to take on, or if you're okay with not receiving returns and deferring until the end, you'll, you'll get a higher, a higher return paid out of that investment like anything else. So it just comes down to what works for you and your lifestyle. Perfect. Okay. So with your experience, uh, both, uh, before your, before your fund, uh, just mm-hmm. buying individual notes and then obviously with the fund, what should people be looking for when they are looking for a quality note fund? So with a, a, a looking at a note fund, uh, you definitely want to look at a couple of important key points. First of all is the fund's business model, right? Um, is okay. the fund buying buying notes that have a good track record and it's solid cash flow and that's the whole objective of it? Or are they buying notes that are riskier where there's not steady cash flow? Maybe there's a, a higher upside or a higher rate of return paid out for taking on that higher risk, right? Look, look at that. You want to understand that. The other mm-hmm. thing that's super important is the track record of the fund manager and the principles of the fund. You want to make sure that uh, you're working with people that are reputable, that are going to do what they say they're going to do, and they have experience established in the industry. That's super important. It's, um, you know, that common 
that common saying you're you're betting on the jockey not on the horse right yeah it's yep. it's the same thing because you know what everyone is great when things are going well and you're making money but what happens when things don't go well does the fund manager have the experience and wherewithal to navigate through a storm through through trouble and bring everyone out on the other side successfully that that's super important it's not only how they are when things go right but yeah. what about when when things go wrong um and th those are those are the main points and and yeah. the other thing as i mentioned earlier it's it's the risk tolerance make sure that that's in line with what you're comfortable with and um and the time frame as well right like any any um passive investment or syndication right some have a, a one-year time frame some have a three-year time frame some mm -hmm. have five or, or more so it comes down to what matches up with your needs as an investor so fred one of the inherent challenges that exists inside of the alternative investment space is that there's just less regulation in some ways that's good in some ways that's challenging right um, that said you were talking a little bit about what makes a good note fund are there any things that people should just know red flags if you're if you're looking around for you know a good place to invest from a note perspective are there any like definitive red flags it's like okay just avoid that if you see this then yeah. just just get out of there yeah absolutely there's there's a few that I'll mention and this goes for note funds or really any investor real estate syndication yep. could be anything so the biggest red flag is that there's not a proper offering and you hear the words JV or joint venture. Um, mm. That is really something that a lot of people do because they want to cut corners around yeah. doing a, a formal offering. And yeah, it's possible to, to do a joint venture, but in the majority of the times it goes against uh it goes against the securities. It's a securities violation. Mm. And so yeah. you want to make sure that, your uh, sponsor, your fund managers, they've done the proper filings, they have a proper mm -hmm. offering. So if you hear the words joint venture or JV, then that's a huge red flag I, I would look okay, at. That's right a really away. good good tip. Yeah. Is there anything else that you're thinking of or is that kind of the big one? Like, all right, watch it. I mean, because here's the deal. Like you said, it's it's typical things for investments. It's track record. It's Obviously, you want somebody who's honest. If you Google their name and you see like so and so scam pop up, then you probably are on a, on the wrong track. You know what I yeah. mean? So it's a lot of those regular due diligence things. But I I think that that tip that you just mentioned um, is is really really helpful. Yeah, and and don't be afraid to ask for some references and referrals. Yeah, right. Any. Um, any investment sponsor should be able to provide you with a couple of uh, people to talk to that um, that you can yeah, ask questions thought. about and just uh, really get a sense for someone else's experience um, as a customer, as an investor. Are they happy? Uh, would they invest again in the future? All mm -hmm. of those things. Yeah, you would hope they have at least uh... – not at least you'd hope they have a ton of raving fans if they're looking for investors. Right. So yeah, that's a good thought. That's a good thought. Perfect. Okay. So we're going to shift gears here a little bit in, in the last yeah. few minutes of our, of our time today. Uh, maybe talk about self-directed IRAs. So inside mm. of the alternative investing world, a lot of people have 
qualified funds, qualified money, whether they put it into a 401k or, or IRA or whatever, 403b, who knows, uh, but it's there, right? And now they want to shift gears, maybe not invest so much in the stock market. They want to invest in some of these other things. So um, what do you see as the value of a self-directed IRA? And then what's the downside? Yeah, this is, uh, this is an area I love. Um, I love, I think that unfortunately not a lot of people know about self-directed accounts and, um, there's a lot to learn there, but it's something that is available to anyone. It's right in the tax code. And, um, you know, most, uh, if you open up an IRA at a traditional, uh, custodian, a traditional brokerage house, they're going to let you invest in anything that's in the stock market, basically, or the mm -hmm. products they offer. Um, and that's it. Um, it's not because you can't, it's because they have no incentive to, to offer anything else. So if you go to a self-directed custodian, they now allow you to invest in anything that's not considered a prohibited transaction in, in the IRS code. And there's a limited number of things that are prohibited transaction, but the, the IRA self-directed IRA custodians, part of their job is to keep you out of trouble. They will not allow you to enter in a prohibited transaction, uh, which could jeopardize your whole account. Um, you know, if the IRS comes in and says, finds that, hey, you did a prohibited transaction in your account, they will invalidate the whole IRA, not just the money you invested in wow. that transaction. And so it becomes a taxable distribution as, as if the whole account was liquidated on the spot. And most times you're going to get hit with at least a 50% tax hit on the value of the account. So, I mean, take that very seriously. Yeah, right. right? Um, but, but anyway, part of the job of the custodians is to keep you out of trouble and not la allow you to do things that are going to jeopardize your account. But uh, the, the working with custodians, there's several excellent ones across the country, but I like the ones that provide education as part of a, a service to their clients. Okay. So they teach about alternative investments. They'll have speakers come on. They'll have events that you can attend and conferences, all great ways to learn and advance your education. Um, and something I, I always love to share, to talk about, this is not financial advice or tax advice. It's just an idea. I encourage everyone to look into a Roth IRA, discuss with your tax advisors if it's appropriate for you. Um, and if it is, open one up, open one up tomorrow. Um, because that is one of the most powerful tools we have available to us. And um, it allows you to have tax-free growth in the account and then tax-free distributions when you withdraw. And that is powerful, super okay, powerful. So, so yeah, that is powerful. Right? So I, I just want to recap a couple of things. So first off, the self-directed IRA, the primary benefit is that instead of being limited to the traditional investments that we normally see, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you now have access to the alternative world, which really includes anything that you can think of with, yes. with a few limited, um, what's the word, a few prohibitive, prohibited 
items there. But for the most part, it gives you access to real estate and precious metals and all sorts of different things that you wouldn't normally be able to invest in a traditional IRA. Fair to say? Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Okay. Real estate, mortgage notes, uh, precious metals. You can even do cryptocurrency if you like. You can invest in private companies that aren't on the stock exchange. Um, so, you can originate, you can originate yeah. lending as well, which is popular. Yeah, yeah. That is a really interesting thing. So when you're talking about opening a, a Roth IRA, and this is another thing that I think a lot of people don't know, is you're talking about opening a self-directed Roth IRA. Yes. I think a lot of people don't still, still today, not only do people not know about self-directed IRAs in general, although I'm guessing probably most people in our, our audience are familiar with it, but like, let even less people are familiar with the fact that you can do a Roth self-directed, right? Okay. So that brings me into another question. What about self-directed 401k? And like I, I, we, in our group, we've seen that kind of touted as what they call like a QRP. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just a marketing term to be totally honest with you, but they're, it's basically a self-directed 401k, a Roth self-directed 401k. And they would suggest that there's um, far more benefits by utilizing that than you would get from just a self-directed IRA. Do you have any thoughts on that one way or the yeah, other? Yeah, it, it could be. It could be for sure. Um, that is a very complex decision. <laughs> and that's a question. That's a conversation for anyone to have well, with their advisor to see if that's appropriate because there's some overhead and some expenses. It depends on how many employees you have. And a, a lot of goes into that. Well, so that's another point. Like the obvious point mm -hmm. is that not everybody can open a self-directed 401k, right? right? You have to have 1099 income in order to be able to make sense of doing that. So, um, or business income. So yeah, obviously if you don't own a business or have a side hustle business, then it's probably going to be hard to use a self-directed 401k. But I do know that I think the reasons that it's usually touted is because there's higher limit, there's, there's yeah. higher contribution limits and they talk about sometimes about checkbook access and some things like that that might make it more um simplistic yeah rod do you know any more about that conversation i just thought i would i would throw it out there as a you know i know that i know that our group is at least familiar with that and has probably been engaged in that conversation a little bit yeah well one of the big things that is often touted is that you can use financing inside of a self-directed 401 this kind of solo 401k world without running into the UBTI kinds of, you know, oh, extra, right. extra tax type mm -hmm. stuff, but you can't, you can't do the same thing inside of a self-directed IRA. Right. So well, yeah, that's, that's correct. If you have a self-directed IRA, let's say you invest in a real estate syndication that's using leverage. Mm -hmm. They're, they're financing on, on the property. You will get hit with um, UBIT taxes and have to have the IRA file a return, it gets a little complex. So with a, a self-directed 401k, you don't have that. Um, but th there's overhead and work. So if you, mm -hmm. if yeah, you so want to have a, right, if you want to have a, a self-directed 401k, there's a cost to, to doing that. And yeah. so it may or may not make sense for you. If you're going to con contribute uh, $6,000 a year sure. and nothing else, then the answer that is doesn't no, it doesn't sense. make sense. Right. But if you have like 40 or 50,000, you want to contribute each year, 
then it may be worthwhile for you to explore sure. that. And that's just a strategy and planning detail to talk about with your tax advisors. Yep. Makes complete sense. Um, if you have questions about that, obviously reach out to Rod and I will talk through it. Okay. So Fred, this has been an awesome conversation. We've had a, we've had a great time. Why don't you just tell the audience how they can connect with you? Where do they go to learn more about uh, all things Fred Moskowitz? Thank you. Thank you, Christian. Um, the best place to connect with me is through my website, which is at fredmoskowitz.com. And uh, if you prefer to have an easier spelling, you can go to giftfromfred.com and, awesome. um, and connect with me there. I have a special report I can send out about node investing. You can learn about my book or sign up for my newsletter. And uh, I always love connecting with investors. Oh, and there's one more thing. If you prefer to use your mobile device, you can text the keyword money to 215-461-4433. And okay, wait, uh, do it, say it one more time. Yep. Money to 215. Okay, you better say it one more time. I'll say it again. Text the keyword money to 215-461-4433. And then Excellent. just follow well, the prompts. All yeah. I can say is it's pretty easy to find you. I didn't I didn't have any trouble. If you just type Fred, if you just Google Fred Moskowitz, you'll find his website and be able to connect with him. And as always, Rod and I are happy to create the connection. So if you reach out to us, We'll be happy to pass through that uh, information. Okay, Fred, it's been super fun to have you on. We'll have to check back with you another time. Thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It was great being on your program. Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth-building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.